0: Hello and welcome to The Appetite, a podcast brought to you by Opal Food and Body Wisdom, an eating disorder treatment center in Seattle, Washington. I'm your host, Carter Umhow, a therapist, artist, and writer. Today I'm talking with Opal co-founders Dr. Lexi Giblin, Julie Church, and Kara Bazzi. We are recording from two different locations. I'm at home in Seattle, and they are at OPAL, just a few miles away. And we're going to be returning to the idea of self-inquiry today. Lexi Giblin, um, our executive director at OPAL, is an expert in RODBT, um, which of course is the acronym for Radically Open Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. And Lexi, I'd love to hear from you a little bit about um, why self-inquiry is useful and what we're going to be doing today.
1: Yeah, well, we just did some self-inquiry. And so I know I'm feeling a little dysregulated just coming off of that work because um when you do when we do self-inquiry, we go towards emotions that we're often avoiding in order to learn from them. So we kind of go opposite to what we typically do in life. In in self-inquiry, we actually are interested and move towards and want to learn from difficult emotions. And so in order to do that, we feel them, we get in there with them, and we get curious about what messages or what learning the emotions are teaching us about our life, who we are, and how to make sense of where we want to go. So we just did that. And I'm feeling a little dysregulated. I know. We did
0: just do that. We just had a couple of minutes, about five minutes before we started recording where each of us went into our own journal for a moment and asked ourselves the question, where have I experienced energy, emotion, or unwanted emotion during this time of pandemic? And so I I imagine all four of us are in maybe a tender spot. And one of the reasons why we're wanting to offer self-inquiry right now as an episode is because this is a time of a lot of emotion and a lot of dysregulation. And also uh, I know that I'm having this experience, but um, I've heard others are too. It's hard to be connected. (laughs) It's hard to be connected to emotion simply because there's so much going on right now, but also there's not a lot of personal space or there's work happening in your personal space or things are chaotic. So this is a moment of pause to explore.
1: Mm -hmm. And to look at kind of what our personal unknowns might be within this pandemic, for example, today, you know, what is it that we might be able to learn from our experience of the pandemic and our our response to it. But today um, we're doing a self-inquiry journal, Process And this is what we do in um, self-inquiry group at Opal with our clients where we spend three to five minutes personally journaling and moving towards difficult emotion and asking questions, difficult questions of our emotion or of our energy and trying to look at it from a different perspective, kind of looking from a different angle and seeing if we see something different, that maybe we look at it from a different angle and we see something that we don't yet understand about ourselves. And so what we just did was a journal self-inquiry. And now, just as we do in our self-inquiry group at OPAL, we are going to share our process of our self-inquiry journal work in some way. But one thing that's so important in self-inquiry is that we, we try to not regulate one another, which is really hard because that's what we do socially, right? We, we, when we care about, I care about all, all of you all. And so, of course, there's a strong part of me that's going to want to regulate you when I see you maybe feeling a lot or experiencing discomfort. But the work of self-inquiry, of course, is learning from dysregulation. So I wouldn't want to get in the way of your dysregulation because that would then be getting in the way of your learning.
0: And for those that aren't as familiar with the word regulating, I think just a a way to translate that is we're not going to be trying to fix things. We're not trying to just make someone feel better. We're not trying to, like Lexi said, move away from emotion. We're letting it be as big as it is.
1: Yeah. Right. We're not going to try to find solutions to the problems, right? Problem solving is another, another way of handling Difficulties, but that's not what this is. So we're going to just let it be there, let it feel, let it flow for a little while.
2: Um, Why would someone want to do this in this time, right? Like, why would someone want to turn towards the uncomfortable emotion and to what Carter said earlier of kind of the reality that a lot of people don't have the the personal space right now. What would be the motivation to create the five minutes, which isn't that much time, but what would be the motivation to do that and, and why? Uh, why do that now?
1: Well, I I feel, and a part of me feels like self inquiry right now is luxurious, because we are in this time of crisis. So it feels sort of like, no, we just gotta we just gotta stay safe and not focus on maybe what the learning might be. At the same time, we're all feeling so much, and there's just so much emotion just right there. And so I guess whether we move towards the emotions or not. We're feeling them. The idea here is we might as well learn from them and take a moment and take care of ourselves in this way and learn what we can from the pain we're experiencing.
0: Hell, I, yes. <laughs> yes, I think that that's so important. And I know that there are certainly some people out there too that don't have a hard time moving toward sort of the emotional intimacy with themselves or emotional kind of um, curiosity. And, um, this might feel more comfortable or more difficult for others. I would love to hear what you all wound up exploring in your self-inquiry.
2: Okay, I'll start. One of my first things to reflect on is how different this was than the first time we did this in the podcast, just given how much emotion is being felt. And to what Lexi just said, I was nodding as she was talking because as somebody who feels things pretty quickly and is pretty emotionally um, present. I find the self-inquiry practice to be so much more useful because it guides the way of exploring emotion in a way that I find there's more openness than where I might kind of perseverate on emotion or get stuck in an emotional um, hamster wheel kind of wheel, right? Like where I don't get anywhere with it and I can just kind of bring myself down into a vortex. So I... Am finding that I, I just felt like that practice was really helpful. I started off by thinking, you know, I could say a bazillion things about where there's been dysregulation again, because I'm pretty, I feel a lot of things. The other thing I noticed in doing it is I was writing frantically. Like I, my, I had so much to write and I didn't really know where it was going to go, but I had, it was just, again, so accessible um, in a way that that first time we did this on the podcast I didn't have that experience. But where I went with it, and I didn't come to a great question, so I actually would love to hear some feedback about this, but I was trying to track something that is just in my recent experience in the last day or two, because again, I have a lot of dysregulation going on every day. And so I I centered my work around the emotion, the unwanted emotion and energy I feel every time I get on a group virtual meeting. So at work i've been in group virtual meetings i've also been in group virtual meetings with friends and i've noticed a lot of unwanted emotion in both having being in the virtual meeting and then post the virtual meeting <laughs> at first i was like okay so i know some of the emotions there's letdown there's grief there's disappointment there's fear and I was like, but that doesn't necessarily get to my edge. And I, I kind of know that those, those feelings are there. But as I kept going and going, I was noticing some more things. And so I realized there was more dysregulation when I hear people talking about life after the pandemic changing and more things being moved to virtual, like, you know, that brick and mortar will be more lost because people are going to say they don't need the real estate because meetings can happen online and things can happen virtually. And that has caused a lot of dysregulation. When I hear that, and I don't want that to happen, <laughs> I'm like, "No, we can't move towards towards computers." <laughs> um, and so, what is that bringing up in me? And then I was it was giving it was giving me more dysregulation about my relationship to technology. And technology, previous to the pandemic, <laughs> I've had unwanted emotion, but then this has just exacerbated it with my own personal experience of being on tech for these group meetings and, and more regularly in my life. And then I got in touch with anger and I started feeling really angry that I have to rely on tech for connection and I don't want to. <laughs> and I don't, I don't, I have this like tantrum moment. Like I don't want to, I don't like it. I try to avoid tech for this reason. I don't want this to be a new normal. So there is anger and fear and then I think when it got down to like more of the deeper questions around the anger and fear is around connection. Like, will I be less connected? This question of like, will others be more connected than me that tend to be okay with tech? <laughs> I re- and then I was like, oh, old story. I remember when Facebook came to be, you know, when because we're older and I remember the beginning of Facebook and feeling like, wow, people were connecting over Facebook. I didn't like everything being so visible on Facebook. And maybe this is why I have emotion around group meetings that you're seeing everybody else's relationship on a screen and can they, people actually be connected. And I would be so upset by people being able to be connected and where, if I, what if I get lost behind, left behind, if I don't participate, then I got into this process around which stage of like, where am I connecting to stages of grief <laughs> and finding threats? Yeah. Finding a threat in others, like appreciating tech. And if that's going to be their new normal. So More stuff just kept coming as I was writing, but I couldn't come to my, I felt like I couldn't come to my question, but I just was like, wow, there's a lot of, there is a lot of dysregulation in this whole virtual world.
0: It sounds like um, one of the main themes that I heard, both in terms of like the, the fear around loss of brick and mortar experiences and then also your experience of kind of having these social interactions on Zoom or tech or, or whatever is that there's this sense of being left behind because of the things that are your preferences. And I noticed that that seemed to be kind of the place where there was like a really sort of succinct statement or messaging in the midst of all those different emotions. So it made me wonder if, if there's some question about that. That would be helpful to you to be pondering.
1: Kara, is that is that where you feel the most dysregulated When, as you were sharing all those different emotions? Was it when you were talking about feeling left behind?
2: Yes. I think that kind of nails everything that I just, <laughs> said. I said a lot of words, but um, I think that does kind of nail it. The The one other place I went to that I had curiosity with, but I didn't know where my dysregul- if my dysregulation was more in this as I have. Um, I also feel less competent in the virtual connection and I didn't know if I had dysregulation and not being good at it or if it was more of my relational side where I'm going to be less connected. So kind of my two Enneagram type and my three Enneagram type, I was like, which one's getting more threatened or perceived threat? Because I know I don't feel actually as comp- I don't I don't feel as competent, but I also am like, is it more of a preference for connection? So I can't tell which one had more energy. Like that feels just interesting, but maybe less energy. So I also just don't want it that change. I don't want the social climate to change.
1: And I have I have a um, a question that I maybe I'd throw out there. And Kara, if this doesn't at all dysregulate you in any way, then feel feel free to set it aside. But the question—the question I was having um, as I was listening to you—and maybe this is partly because of because I know you—is like this question around: what if there's no chance of you being left behind? Like the opposite of what you're worried about. That sounds soothing. <laughs>
2: I was like, oh, that's a great
3: question. (laughs) She's Um, going to have to adapt. Is that kind of what you're saying?
1: No, like that. Okay, this is, well, maybe, I guess maybe if I get at it a different way, is um, that this idea that Kara would ever be left behind in life feels, feels like an old story. And it doesn't feel like my experience of you. And so I was thinking in my mind about how that feels like an old story. I'm going to be left behind. I'm going to be left behind. But then I've, I guess, I wonder if it's, if there's another way of thinking about it, that's maybe fresh, that feels old to me.
2: Yeah. I, you're definitely on to like that. When you said that, yes, you're on to that's old. So that's probably why it was soothing to recognize it was old.
0: Okay.
2: I don't know what the dysregulating would be in the current. Yeah, yeah. Because you're, I think you're right. Yeah. How did, how is an old story getting, and I, yeah, how are old stories getting activated right now? Which again, I would imagine probably is pretty, happening quite a bit in this pandemic for people, old narratives that are uncomfortable and painful.
1: Okay. So then the, from a self inquiry perspective, the, the question, the question would be what would be a, a new way of, of looking at this old story or um, is there a way in which you're avoiding looking at this differently? Do you've noticed yourself resistant? And if so, can you push through that resistance? Yeah. There's something there. Yeah. With
2: the resistance. (laughs) That's good. Like there's some fatalistic mindset
1: happening. So Kara, one what you could do with that in your self inquiry work is just hold that hold that question of what are you resisting about this old old story, or what's the new story that you're resisting, and that could take you through a process in the future. For example,
2: that's that's really helpful. Thank you. That's helpful. <laughs> Seriously helpful. <laughs> I'm saying that for real. <laughs>
0: I sounded a little trite for a second, but. We love you. Okay, <laughs> Julie, I'd love to hear from you what your process was like.
3: Ah, uh, let's see. So I would say that like the timing of trying to get into this was I mean, a little bit more difficult, but I got there. And even I would say that uh, if I were to piggyback one of the last things that Lexi said, it kind of got me into the same emotion that myself and inquiry did. So, what Lexi was sharing just a little bit earlier is noticing that, in the midst of this crisis, there is a lot of emotion, and how can we still learn from that? And I would say that that's where I get the most dysregulation right now is seeing people capitalize on this time and worrying that I'm not going to. Like, what does that mean? It, it could so my my first route was just like instagram. i I can't deal watching what families are doing at home and what they're making of this time. And I just like, it dysregulates me like crazy. And I, so that's, so it feels like that same pull to be even doing this self-inquiry and like pausing to like in this crisis moment to learn from our emotions is like, gets me same dysregulation as me seeing some family skipping rocks at the pond, you know, like, I'm just like, it's the same thing for me. (laughs) Um, So the old story for me is regrets, and it makes me, I can look back at times in my life where, oh, I had the time to do A, B, or C, or like, and that kind of, that spirit of of that, and I just anticipate having basically the same feeling when I think about this season. So I was finally getting into that when we wrapped up, to be honest, because I kind of took me a while to get to this one. I'm trying to figure out what the question would be, but there's something around. I I think I'm I I kind of tolerating regrets or like why having regrets is such a big deal for me or it's it's some about like what it is that that shows about who I am or my character or my capabilities that there still is going to be regret, like that I've had regrets and I'll continue to have regrets and I don't know. I just anticipate looking back at this season, especially in my personal life, and having a lot of regrets. (laughs) So.
1: I think that there's a, there's a, um, there's something that's happening for me with Julie and Kara that maybe would be different than I experience in other other self-inquiry groups, and that I know I know them well. And so what happened for me with with you, Julie, as I was listening, was similar to what happened with Kara, and that I was like, ooh, the regret is an old story for you. What is another way of looking at this? Or like, in what way can we shake this up? Because it is, I've watched you in pain about it for years, you know, and I guess I'm just thinking, like, is there another vantage point or another, like, angle to take on this that could give you some understanding of what this is about? But I don't know what that is, you know, but I just, in, I, in this process of self-inquiry, I'm thinking, what what is this? What's What's another angle to take? What's the, What's a new story?
0: And without knowing the history and context there. I'm also finding myself maybe asking a different question, which is around like, like what is the cycle or what is the experience that keeps you in a place of, of regretting? That might be something that leads you into action, but it also could be something that simply leads you into that new vantage point that Lexi just spoke to as well.
1: I think what's, what's, uh, what feels, um, curious to me in yourself self inquiry julie is that there's so much richness happening in your life yet there's regret happening at the same time it's like i it, it they run in conflict like how i know you and this regret you live so fully that i don't understand it doesn't it doesn't make sense i guess
3: i yeah i think the um consistent story that also rises is just discontentment, right? So like inability to sort of see the good in it because of my striving or because of my perfectionism or because of my perception in that. So I might make the most of some moment, but gosh, like I did not make the most of the other 105. It just right now seems like a time that that's getting highlighted because um, everything's shaken up. So there isn't, and, and, and a lot of the loss within what is the normal structures that would have been in place that would have been giving me a sense of like, this is the life I've chosen and the path that I've kind of like helped make my family and myself go on. And most of that's gone. Right. So how are we going to totally reinvent it? (laughs) And I, uh. (laughs) there, it
1: sounds Julie, it sounds like there's a lot of, potential learning paths within what you're sharing. Yeah. One, one way of working within self-inquiry is to just take one of the words that was energetic for you, like capitalizing (laughs) and work with that word in self-inquiry. So you could create a question, you know, around, am I a person who capitalizes or, and so start playing with that word in your work and see where it takes you. Should we move to Lexi? Yeah. Lexi, what about you? What is your process like? Okay, well, I <laughs> I chose to um, go do some self-inquiry around moments where I felt judged about my coronavirus decision-making, or like how I've decided to, what I've decided to do or not do, or Opal's decided to do or not do, the experience of the emotion that I've had when others have expressed a judgment of my decision or our decision. And so I did some work around that. And I, I got into this uh, like kind of abandonment stance like of like, if you know so much, you do it and I will follow your lead. <laughs> I'm not your punching bag. I don't even have access to your suggestions. <laughs> and then I went into this kind of what what I now see is pretty arrogant. I was like, you are naive and don't understand the complicated situation. So I got into this uh, arrogance, kind of pushback, arrogant stance. I wrote, you want me to cushion you from the impact of this. And that brought up a lot of energy and dysregulation for me, because I feel or at least an old story of mine is that I'm a caretaker and that I help, I cushion a lot of blows for people in that I love, or that's how I, that's an old story of mine. And so I did some work. Um, I, I started with, are you a person who protects? And I'd say, yes, <laughs> that was a, the quick answer to that. So then I I kept going with with it a little deeper to go to some a place I didn't want to go. And I and I went to this place of where what is really an uncomfortable question because it's certainly not how I would like to think about myself. And it also seems to be true. It is, am I, am I a person who will protect, but does so with arrogance and resentment.
0: It's a bold question to ask.
1: So, and as I as I read that, tears welled up in my eyes. I, I think that's a really deplorable. Uh, like it's uncomfortable for me to think of myself that way, which tells me that there's something there. And reading through my self inquiry work today, there's a lot of arrogance in, in my, my kind of vitriol around protection or like being asked to protect others. Um, So I think there's a lot of learning in that for me.
2: I'm noticing um, that I'm kind of, I just feel like, wow, that's amazing that you got to that. Uh, that's my <laughs> first reaction. I'm like, I know me too. I was
3: like, you got to that formulated of a question.
2: Well, so well. and and just to ask something so uncomfortable yes. too, like to have gone to gone to a question that's really uncomfortable for you to ask, but then the result in this process to do it together and feel connection to you and closeness that you're willing to ask such a hard question about yourself. You wouldn't think that would bring connection to somebody, right? To connect mm-hmm. to a part that's arrogant, mm-hmm. and yet. In this process and how you're doing it and how you're showing up to it, it actually
1: connects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I pre- appreciate that. And that's a lot of what I experience in self-inquiry with when I, when we do it with others is you just, even though you're, you're talking about like these really dark sides of yourself, you feel so connected to one another, even though you're exposing the darkness, mm-hmm. but it's just, it just is feel so honest.
2: Right. That was that struck me just, yeah, the honesty is what's it's creating the connection. And I think for a lot of people that are more people pleasers, that can also not work in their favor of in mine own favor as when I'm people pleasing, because then we're not being as known. And then that doesn't connect us as much. Right. So
1: it's it's funny because now um, as we as I sit with this question, I'm noticing myself wanting to explain that there are times where I caretake and protect, but don't. I'm not arrogant <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> resentful. Yeah. I'm wanting to explain that, but that that is just maybe lends further credence to <laughs> to this being a good question. If I'm, you know, I think I think, and that's the that's the idea here in self inquiry is that often what you know what we're scared of is often the, you know the most true you know, and um, while this doesn't mean that I'm. Oh, always an arrogant, resentful person, it, it means that I probably am at times. I feel like the, the process that you just took us through, like
0: taught the three of us who have also just done this process too, so much, because it does feel like there's some really something really beautiful and how succinct you were in that, and also so clear um, in this idea of moving toward a part of you that you also find dysregulating in and of itself, not just an emotion.
3: Carter, are you going to share yours? Yeah, I think
0: that I'm feeling emotional about even talking about it. I think that in this process of recording the episode today, I feel like we probably tapped into something that's relevant to my self-inquiry. But I'm, I don't know. I, I think I had a kind of a hard time initially sorting through what I was exploring. And I started thinking through where I was a few weeks ago. I think it was a few weeks ago that I felt like really, really preoccupied with everybody else and taking care of a lot of other people and being really, really aware of all of the people in my circle and my extended circle and my extended community. And then on a global level that I felt worried about and was just overwhelmed by that constantly. Even if I wasn't doing anything about it, I was thinking constantly and really emotional Um, And then there were also times that I found myself almost like compulsively or manically like going to try and help or connect or something. And some of where that exploration took me was into some of the questions around like what's actually going on for me when that happens and what am I disconnecting from in myself I'm certainly someone that's really compassionate and caring and interested in helping other people, but I also know that there's a component of that 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 feels like it dissociates and disconnects me from my core. So some of my questioning was about that. And I don't know if I have a totally succinct question, but what I was what I was noting as we've been recording is a vulnerable thing is that I've been feeling really left out this whole hour and feeling left out from the co- the conversation and, and not being able to be in the same room as you guys and not seeing your faces and feeling, I think Kara's phrase earlier, sort of left behind. That has given me some information pretty immediately about <laughs> this other part of me that I was interested in, um, in self-inquiry, which is, I think, a part that often puts myself in a position to not be forgotten or not feel lonely by helping other people. And I wind up feeling pretty missed if I slow down too much and notice that. And like my own internal experience or my own internal world gets kind of put on the back burner. And I'm I'm more interested in other people and they're more interested in that. And maybe aren't as attuned to that. I might be needing something because I've kind of hidden it in some way or distracted myself from that or distracted them from that. So I don't know. A lot of different questions in there, a lot of different
1: emotions. As you shared that with us, Carter, where were you the most um, dysregulated? Probably the place where I
0: said that I felt left out is pretty dysregulating to actually say. And I think that I, in a different way, I feel some emotion or some shame even around kind of naming the part of me that like is disconnecting from myself in order to be connected to other people. That is a very familiar thing to me that I've been trying to wrestle with for many, many <laughs> seasons, um, but it doesn't make it any more comfortable.
1: Well, would a question that will get you to the, the feeling of le- being left out? Might that be something like, are, am I a person who often feels left out?
0: I, I don't feel connected to that. I think that there's something more about the word loneliness that I think is in there. Because I feel like connected very regularly or included very regularly, but not necessarily... I don't know. There's something about loneliness despite that. that you also resonates. use
2: the words being seen. Yeah. Does that get to more dysregulation?
0: Yeah, I think so.
2: so is there a question? Lexi, the expert?
1: <laughs> 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 um, well. All <laughs> you? Um, it's so funny. There's something kind of regulating about finding a question. <laughs> uh-huh. it, uh, it does. And I think that's part of it. That that's I think intentional. Yeah. I find at the end of self-inquiry that it kind of pulls you out of where you were and kind of prepares you to move on, you know, with your day. Cause there's this, you know, you have to kind of bring in all this cognitive cognition to figure your question. So you move away from your emotion often, you know.
0: Yeah. One of the questions that I had when I was before before we started recording and talking was what is happening for me that's too hard to stay with when I'm kind of compulsively caring for other people.
2: I also wonder if there's some sort of question around what if you are like you are a part of not being seen?
0: Mm-hmm. There probably is. <laughs> I think that's probably true. I think I do have a lot of responsibility in that. I don't
2: know. Or what if you are a person who is blocking yourself from being seen?
0: Mm-hmm. Or something. Yeah. I think that question makes me like angry and defensive enough that I, it's probably good.
1: Perfect. (laughs) Perfect.
0: Okay. Well, we should wrap up. I don't know quite how, but I think that's sort of the point, right? That, um, some of this is that it's moving us toward a place of open-ended questions and, open-ended experience and emotion that is not necessarily supposed to be wrapped up, but allowed to kind of just kind of hang in the air through our days. Questions
1: that beget other questions. Exactly. Uh, you know, there, this is a, a really rich time for self-inquiry and, and I would invite listeners to maybe take them three to five minutes today soon and, move towards a difficult emotion and ask some difficult questions of it and see where see where it takes you see what you might learn about yourself
0: thank you again for listening make sure you're subscribed to the appetite if you are not already Um, this will keep you up to date on all of our current releases if you want please leave a review for us on your podcast app Um, this is a great way for us to know how you're liking the podcast for us to connect with you and also for others to get an opportunity to more easily find our content. Thank you so much to Camille Dodson for all of her support with the podcast, both in publishing, social media and management of all of us. (laughs) Um, Thank you to Aaron Davidson for the Appetite's original music. And thank you so much to Hans Anderson for his incredible editing. Join us next time.